The Leadership Show with Andy Peck. It's my joy to welcome you to The Leadership Show. Every week I have a conversation with a leader or expert in the leadership theme to help you use your influence for God's purposes, whether you're in a leadership role or simply someone keen to take initiative to further God's work. So imagine this, uh, you pick up the local newspaper, see what's going on, and you're a little startled to see that one of your members has been involved in illegal activity. Your church is named in the article. You fear that local reporters will be in touch with you for comment. What will you do? Well, if you're uncertain, maybe you need to have a communication strategy in place. Jersey Road PR found that between September and November 2020, there were 460 pieces of negative British news coverage affecting the church. Of course, many were not as specific as my example, but many Christians in leadership of churches and charities find that their response to negative press has a crucial bearing on how and whether they can recover and continue with their mission. So I'm delighted to be joined this week by the managing director of the PR firm mentioned, Gareth Russell. As a business, Jersey Road PR exists to give voice and influence to faith-based organisations through national, regional and Christian media. Gareth is a former church leader himself, having established and led a church in Milton Keynes. And so he's well placed to understand the nuances when a crisis hits. Jersey Road have put together an e-learning course in crisis communication for church leaders. So lovely to have you on the leadership show, Gareth. Thanks for having me, Andy. So maybe we just start by just talking generally about the kind of news landscape. Um, obviously, it goes without saying that bad news sells and hypocrisy especially is of interest. And so obviously various news outlets, particularly national newspapers, will do stuff, print and online. They're keen to highlight what are perceived to be weaknesses in the church and in the church leaders. They'll, they'll jump on a bad story uh, and be just for the sake of getting clicks on uh, magazine articles online and getting sales on the newsstands. So would you say that the this has got worse in the last, say, decade as the view of Christianity has declined in the UK? Well, I think it's an interesting question because I think there's, there's um, both a, a trend with institutions in general and a trend uh, with the church. And so I think we have to recognize first and foremost that we are living in Babylon. You know, we, we do live <laughs> in a society where um, Orthodox Christian views are uh, on the fringes uh, of um, society. Um, but at the same time, you know, there has been a general uh, rebellion towards institutions you know the church can i don't think single itself out i think when you look at what's happened in the banking and finance industry when you look at what's happened actually in the media um almost on a daily basis in the government um that there are there is a, a kind of a distrust of institutions and um that there's been a, a backlash uh in that regard it's interesting though because we, we actually did a story with um your neighbor i don't know if you saw the your neighbor campaign that, that happened during the pandemic but they they uh, did a study with world vision and it found that actually percept public perceptions of the church had improved during the pandemic so i think uh, about three years ago we asked the question about whether or not um the public the general public in the uk felt like the church played a positive role in society. And it was 19% of people that agreed with that, which feels low. But we asked the question again, kind of 
I was going to say at the end of the pandemic, we're not at the end of the pandemic, but kind of midway through, you might say, and it was up to 25%. So it seems like um, when people see the practical response of the church uh, in their local community, um, and actually even more so when they're asked questions about um, their uh, impressions of people they know who are Christians, the, the, actual, the, the, the attitudes to those people is actually pretty positive. But when you ask people about their views of the church as an institution, that's where there's more negative sentiment and, and there's sentiment around being in a state certainly too political here, being uh, anti-science or uh, anti-LGBT um, uh, or um, being judgmental. You know, these are some of the things that come out. But I think if you're asking specifically about the media, we... Uh, have I, I think the bigger issue actually, rather than the media being anti-Christian, I think is that the church hasn't been strategic enough about engaging the media. I think we uh, have seen them almost as other or seen them as the enemy. Uh, and um, in the work we've done, you know, we're working with Christian organizations and churches um, to engage the media. And at a national level, we've found that if we learn how journalists want to be engaged, if we send them stories that genuinely are stories, if we send them a package uh, that, they, that makes their life easy, and if we understand about what they're writing on, that actually a lot of the time they are willing to um, engage with those stories. And actually some, some national newspapers have, have started good news desks during the pandemic just for the mental health of the nation because there was, there was so many bad news stories about the, around the pandemic and, and financial crisis and, and various other things that they wanted people to be gathering good news stories to kind of try and bring some balance. So I, th I think there's probably two sides to that where there's definitely a hostility because there's a general hostility to Orthodox Christian views and, and um, to the institution of the church. But I don't think that should stop us. I think, I think there are um, savvy ways and um, uh, of engaging and raising the profile of the good news stories of the church as well. No, it's, it's fabulous to hear, Gareth. And certainly when I was doing my, journalism training, I was very made very aware that if it was possible for a church to provide a news person with what they needed, they're often very hungry to have it because they're looking for work. They're looking for stuff to write. There's a deadline and uh, they're not particularly necessary, you know, as long as it's an interesting story and particularly if it's positive and upbuilding, then why not? And most local churches don't even think that their local news outlets would, have, would be interested in what they're doing. That's right. And actually, at a local level, I think local media are even more interested in what churches are doing because they're not really kind of, you know, um, discerning it to be a church story. They're just seeing it as a local community story. Um, and so it's, it's a real opportunity because, you know, we have to be honest with ourselves. The people that we're trying to reach in church are not necessarily coming across our doors, certainly not in the last two years, but, you know, even more so uh, uh, going forward, and they're also not looking at our Facebook uh, posts. They're not looking you know, at our social media. They're not necessarily looking at our internal newsletters. We need to go to where they are and tell the stories of the church where they are in their language as well. Um, you know, it's what Paul talks about in, in his letters: understanding the culture, understanding the context. And I think that's really important for churches to understand that because it's a huge opportunity to reframe how faith is positioned through the media. So, Gareth, if you if we look at a local, sorry, an individual crisis or scandal, um, often there's a regrettable event. Uh, the, the the media report on it. Uh, maybe it's an affair, a mishandling of funds, 
Uh, and then the church or the charity responds. And, and sometimes that happens well. And sometimes the response becomes another news story <laughs> um, and the news invention itself. And that's presumably where you come in, really, to try and help churches and charities to make sure that they the response actually is a positive, moves things in a good way rather than negative. Yeah, I mean, we tried to come in bef way before that so that we, we don't even get to that stage. <laughs> sure, but sure. Yeah, certainly. Um, we, you know, a, a crisis is an opportunity for to build your reputation. You know, it it, it may feel in the in the middle of the storm like uh, you know it's it's um, out of your control and it's going to cause you know a whole lot of damage. But if you follow the process and if you're honest through the process and if you're transparent and proactive and and empathetic and apologetic, if there needs to be an apology, then. There, there can be a real opportunity. You know, I, there's, there's organizations who have done that uh, recently who, you know, they've identified there's, there was some historical issue or there was an, you know, a current issue even. Um, they've, they've been honest that that was an issue. They've, they've told uh, their supporters and their stakeholders, this is what we're going to do to resolve that issue. And so rather than trying to sweep it under the carpet, and, you know, I, I, I'm a PR, you know, if people have a... a uh, although it's our job, people do have a, a, a perception of us uh, as being the ones who try and, you know, sweep it under the carpet, get it out of the papers. But that's that's not what we should be doing at all. What we should be doing is encouraging, especially as I say, where where there's repentance needed or where there's something to be admitted, that that we meet that head on, that we we speak to that, and then we resolve it. But at the same time, you know, there are um, occasions when. Uh, the the allegations are unfounded and they're malicious. And so again, when churches are in that position, they can cover sometimes or kind of fall under the weight of the the pressure of that. But actually, it's another opportunity to actually be bold and say this is not true. Again, we're we're actually doing that right now. We're in the middle of that with a a church where um, a local paper is uh, suggesting that they're going to publish some accusations about. Um, about what's happened historically. The church has looked at it. They've gone through the details. It, these things didn't happen. And therefore, we've got a strong case to go back to the publication and say, you know, that, that's not true. You can't print it. And so I, I think on both sides, you know, when something has happened and when something hasn't happened, there is an opportunity for, for churches to um, to really build a reputation and and to be um, honest. You know, I think we need to model Jesus in, in these scenarios he spoke directly. You know, he he spoke incredibly directly. Um, he never hid anything, and and I think it's important that we we follow that example. So, Gareth, without giving away any specifics, what are the kind of range of issues that you've been called in to help or manage? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, 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 there's a real privilege. There, there's a privilege to this job in the sense that we get to see the amazing things that the church is doing and Christian organisations are doing, doing uh, around the country and in Australia as well. Um, unfortunately, we also get the other side of the, the coin where, where we, we do see um, what some might describe as the dark underbelly of, of, of the church as well. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've handled things, uh, including historical uh, sex abuse. Um, we've uh, handled, you know, physical abuse uh, claims. Um, we've, we've dealt with churches who um, are being uh, accused of being a cult. Um, and, uh, you know, that can often be just because they hold orthodox Christian views on, on certain theological issues. Um, we've dealt with um, 
some uh, data uh, mishandling. So you know, data's uh, been there's been a data breach of some sort, uh, and uh, that's been mishandled, uh, and then financial as well. So um, it, it, it when you're in these situations as a PR, you do have to become a bit of an expert in you know a kind of master. What's the, what's the phrase? Master, Jack of all trades, uh, master of none. That's the one. That's the one. That's <laughs> the one I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, but I do, you know, you do, you do. In some senses, the response and the process to all of these is actually the same. Um, you know, it's identifying what is what is the issue. Is it is, you know, is it something that that we have caused? Uh, what does the response need to be, and who needs to be informed? And um, so I, there there is there is a range, um, and and I, I suppose um, most of it comes down to um, either an insecurity in leadership or a misuse of power in leadership. And um, you know, we're all guilty of that. You know, as, as you said in your introduction, I. I led a church uh, in Milton Keynes and, you know, when you have people coming up to you each week saying, you know, really appreciate your sermon, you know, it's really impacted me. Thank you for the ministry of the church. It can become addictive. You know, it can become, you know, a real um, source of identity. Uh, and it's, I think it's why a lot of church leaders struggle to actually hand over the reins to the next generation because it's it's difficult to let go of that. But, um, you know, we need, we need to, uh, it's really, and it's a cliche, but see where our identity truly comes from, and and be humble, so that we don't get to that point where we are misusing or abusing the power or the responsibility that we've been given. Gareth, the, the clear communication, of course, also happens at a, a local level, particularly if there are larger churches where uh, something may happen, and you need to be open about what has happened. And of course, church leaders, and especially in full-time pastoral ministry, are used to keeping confidences. And sometimes it's those confidences that are part of the muddying of the waters because maybe activity by church leaders is perceived in certain ways. Uh, I can think of particularly a church that I knew where the, where the church split because the senior pastor refused to divulge what was really going on and people took the wrong end of the stick and, and left. And so it can get very, very murky and, and messy. Presumably there are occasions where it's not wise to be totally open about something. Yeah, I mean, I think there's certainly a whole host of areas, obviously, where there's no need to be open with the wider public. But I think there does need to be safeguarding processes in place. This is outside of my remit, um, so I'm not, I'm not going to speak too in-depth on this. You're probably better speaking to, to the 318 or, or you know, organisations like that. But I think it it is probably a dangerous situation for individual church leaders to be the only um, uh, person who knows a piece of information, um, particularly around a safeguarding issue, I think um, there needs to be a, a, a small group of people who um, have that are given that responsibility. That it's very openly shared that that group of, will be told. But I think it certainly has been the source of a number of uh, crises. That um, uh, you know, there the, the maybe even the right motivations are there where. You know, you want to protect the individual who's been uh, affected, but um, it is is definitely. I think these things have to be. There has to be some level of accountability at a leadership level, um, and uh, if that's not there, I think that can be a source of uh, uh, potential problems further down the line. And I think that's a wise learning uh, that if you are in privy to information that absolutely nobody else knows, then that is a that's a vulnerable place to be. And if you're 
listening to this and you're in Christian and leadership, you may be wise to to find ways of which you can share it. I'm not yeah. I'm not convinced that the the burden of the secrets is actually very healthy for uh, church leaders. And um, anyway, that's that's another another issue for another time. Um, so obviously, Gareth, you've provided this e-learning course, and one of the aims is, of course, to get ready for potential crises. You might say they're almost inevitable to come at some point before the time. So the kind of things you look at in the course? Well, we wanted to create a course that, because most most church, we work with a lot of Christian charities. That's kind of the majority of the organizations that we work with from a um, PR, media relations um, perspective. But the majority of churches who come to us, unfortunately, come to us with uh, a crisis. They're very, I don't think we've ever had a church coming to us saying, we've got a, a positive PR story here that we want uh, you to you to promote. Now, part of that is because very few churches have a PR budget, <laughs> and which is you know fair enough. But um, we majority of churches who come to us come to us because um, they, they have a problem, and we wanted to create this e-learning course. It's, it's called Cam in the Storm because we wanted to create a, a, an affordable. So it's forty nine pounds for the, the five modules. So it, it, some of these crisis courses that you can get online are like five hundred pounds, seven hundred pounds, a thousand pounds. There's no way a church can afford that even though it's a really important um, governance issue. Um, but in this course, we um, have a variety of uh, areas that we look at. So we, we, we talk about what is a crisis, so we define a crisis. And um, the word crisis can even be confusing to people because, um, you know, is, do you mean a humanitarian disaster or, you know, something else? But what we're talking about here is, is a reputational risk, you know, that's, that's been caused by, an event or an accusation or a perception of some uh, of the church in some way. Um, so we define that crisis. We talk about the steps to prepare for a crisis. Um, and that might include as well, where is the support within your denomination? So different denominations have some central support. Um, and again, we're not trying to replace that. We're just trying to um, have some uh, uh, learnings and some framework uh, for the churches at a local level. And then um, what does it mean to form a crisis team uh, and who needs to be part of that? What do the roles and responsibilities need to be? Um, what should you say and what should you not say? You know, what, what are the things that you should avoid saying? Um, uh, how do you, and, and we, we talk about the, the stand uh, the, the stand framework, which is about stopping to think, pray as well, make, you know, just wait on God, see where he's leading, thinking about um, the situation, assessing what's going on, um, uh, acting in a way that is um, responsible and quick, um, because speed is really is, is of the essence uh, in in responding to a crisis. Um, we talk about noting. So, what is the response from the media? Um, monitoring what any mentions that are going on in the media, and then a debrief. And so, we talk about how do you then review what's happened? How does that impact uh, the process? Uh, other other learnings that you could uh, implement to make it better next time. Um, and so it's 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 a very simple it's it's, it's five uh, video modules. We've then got a workbook, and through the workbook, the, the kind of output of that will be that churches will have their own crisis pl plan. It'll be a basic crisis plan that they um, can use should this happen, and they can train uh, their their uh, volunteers or their staff in as well. And for most trustees of a church, it will also give them a, a real sense of peace of mind um, because. Uh, if you, the biggest learning about crisis is being prepared for a crisis, 
Um, as I say, most most uh, churches come to us in the midst of a crisis. And to be honest, whilst we can respond, it is, it is a, a far less effective way of responding to a crisis than being prepared for it and then uh, responding uh, in a way that everyone knows what everyone else is doing and what we say and what we don't say and, and the roles and responsibilities are, are uh, clearly defined. Well, it's very kingdom-minded of you uh, to potentially be getting yourself out of work, um, Gareth, in terms of <laughs> if you help more churches and charities, you won't, they won't need you so badly. But hopefully maybe that means that you can be spending time on more positive stories. So what have, what have you been learning about leadership yourself as you've started off this with a, a ministry, a, a business, and also had you know connections overseas as well? Yeah, we so we, we've been running the business for for twelve years. We for the first eight years of that, we my wife and I um, led a church as well, uh, and then in the last four years, um, I've been full time. My wife's actually in the last year left the business to, to do a master's, so she's kind of left the reins to me now. But we there's a few things I've learned in that process. When when I was in my early career, um, I had a, a boss who was very different to me, uh, and I. I spent a lot of my time trying to mold myself to be like him uh, and always felt slightly out of my depth uh, because of that um, and slightly awkward and, you know, um, square peg, round hole. And I think it's, it's a real cliche, um, but uh, the more I've journeyed, the more I've become far more comfortable with my own leadership style, seeing it as a legitimate leadership style. I'm, 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 I have my own personality. I have my own approach. Um, I, I learned, I think, that it's good to learn from those who lead you, but it's not good to try and be those who lead you. Uh, and I think there's a very important difference there. There's some real life lessons, some real wisdom, um, some real experience that you can glean from uh, from those who are further on the journey. But if you're trying to become them, then that is actually uh, disingenuous and will always feel out of reach, I think. So that, that, that would be one thing, um, that I've learned. I think not being afraid to employ people who are better than you or not even employ, but just bring people around you who are better than you. Um, a guy said to me, I've got a, a business coach and he said to me recently, you know, if you're not good at spreadsheets, then, you can you shouldn't just force yourself to like spreadsheets and understand spreadsheets. Just get someone else who does like spreadsheets and partner with them. And you know, I think there's although that's a you know a, a small example. I think there's something about that 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 I think a lot of leaders try to become great at everything and therefore become less good at the thing they're really good at um, because they're trying too hard to spread themselves too thin. And I think I've realized that I'm good at um, I'm a people person. I enjoy uh, interacting. I enjoy growing a business, um, but uh, I enjoy doing it with kingdom values and for the kingdom. And um, there's other people in our team who are great at, at developing HR um, infrastructure. There's other people in the team who are great at interacting with clients and uh, pitching to journalists. There's other people in our team who are great at um, reporting and all that sort of stuff. I don't need to do all of it. And I think church leaders particularly, um, especially when you become paid in a church leader role, that you you suddenly, there's there's sometimes this expectation from other people in the church, well, you're paid to do this, so why don't, why don't you do it? Rather than, you know, corralling the volunteer force. 
So I, I think, you know, bringing people around you who are better than you um, and just being honest about your weaknesses, you know, I, I, I think celebrating those um, and also being honest about when you've made mistakes. You know, I, sometimes when you lead a business, you want to be slightly careful about being honest about it. Well, you feel like you want to be slightly careful about the mistakes you've made because you think, well, we, will we lose this client or will our reputation suffer? When I've told people we've made a mistake or when I've told people, you know, we might be pitching for a client and they say to me, um, this is what you, what you want us to do. I know we can't do it, but I know that means me saying no to an invoice. Then, you know, I, I'd much rather now say no to that and do a great job with those that we are able to service than do a, a you know a half good a job with those uh, who were not. Um, so I, I think I think they would be probably the main things I've learned. If if there's any business people listening, then I would the other the other piece of advice I would say is get a good accountant. <laughs> that, that that has probably been the thing that changed uh, our business. You know, we we had a, a, an accountant for years who uh, was a, really a, a box ticker, um, but we changed our accountant, and uh, she's she's absolutely passionate about what we're doing, and therefore has you know um, brought a whole new life to uh, how we structure ourselves. So yeah, that's a bit of practical advice. But I think the main thing is leading like you. Well, fabulous to hear, Gareth, and. Obviously, people can get in touch with you if they're going through a crisis at the moment. Uh, Jersey Road PR would be the place. And presumably that website would lead them to the course that you're running. So if they go to jerseyroadpr.com, just do forward slash crisis course, then they can go to find the course there. Well, Gareth, it's been terrific to chat with you. I say terrific. It's been inter- interesting to chat with you. Sadly, it's been sometimes on a, you know, the, the topic has not been positive. But hopefully our conversation can ensure that many people stay out of the, uh, the bad stuff in the, next, uh, in the next generation. So thank you. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate the opportunity. That was my conversation with Gareth Russell, the Managing Director of Jersey PR. It is perhaps sobering to think that your church or charity may need crisis management. But as Gareth says, it's also helpful to think of how you might want to share some of the good things that your charity of church is doing. Obviously that God gets the glory and not you. We exist, of course, that God's name and goodness may be known. So may God equip you in his ways this week so that by word and deed, others may have cause to see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. If you're new to The Leadership Show, a reminder that this show is broadcast on Premier Radio and available as a podcast from Premier and other podcast providers. So do find other conversations and let friends and family know what we do. And if you have ideas of uh, guests or topics you think should be covered, then please do email me at premierandy.peck at premier.org.uk is where you'll find me. So this is Andy Peck, your host, signing off. May God bless your week ahead. The Leadership Show with Andy Peck. To get in touch, email andy.peck at premier.org.uk.